Welcome to Mothers Who Know podcast channel. This is a place where moms learn to strengthen themselves, fortify their families, fight the adversary, and receive personal revelation. Today we have a mini podcast where we have Karen Broadhead, who's the founder and director of Mothers Who Know, teaching about her own experience receiving answers to prayers. This is just a clip from the last Mom Power training series, just to give you an idea of some of the things that are taught in this series. We thought that this portion of the lesson was so powerful that we wanted everybody to be able to hear it. If you're interested in the Mom Power series, our next eight-week class begins on August 27th, and the class is every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. You can register at mompowertraining.com. Listen as Karen explains a really important principle for us all. Everybody has battles in their life where, because we're human, we have human experiences that could cause afflictions in our lives for years, like mental illness, like physical, physical disabilities, like um, financial trouble, like lots of temporal things that affect our spiritual life and our ability to stay on track with the things that we really want to feel. And they can get so overwhelming and tiring that if we're focused on, can you please just make that go away? We can get really miserable. And I was in that place. Can you please just make that go away? Can you heal that? I thought I'd prayed hard enough and gone to the temple enough and done all the things enough. Something happened once I started writing letters to God that became a great answer to a prayer. I was in the temple when it became clear that this battle that my loved one is facing is affecting their relationship with God. And it's affecting their ability to show up in a way that I dreamed this would look, right? I dreamed that our relationship would look like this, my life would look like this with them, but because of this affliction that now is part of their life, that probably will be part of their life till they're safely dead, it's just really affecting a lot of things. So because it's much harder for them to live with that affliction than it was for me to deal with it as the supporter or the person that's supporting that, even though that's true, I thought because of my immaturity and my lack of preparation on how to find a spiritual language that made sense to me, like how to hear personal revelation, I just knew about how to do the things that you do that look like I'm being spiritual. I didn't know how to receive answers, so I was in the temple again, pleading and emotional about why, why God, why is this happening to us? And this is so hard. I want this to go away. Would you please make this go away? Could you please fix this? And can you please help them? And what I didn't know how to say, because I was really good in my mind at, you know, just looking at how I think that could be fixed. If we could do it like this, or if you would maybe just try like that, then we probably could do better. But it was just never, it was so such a heavy burden for them to carry that they just had a hard time doing anything. And so it became this situation where I wondered, 
is this just me supposed to, maybe I'm just supposed to separate myself from them completely. Not like leave them, but emotionally, spiritually, just separate from them. And because what they're dealing with is so hard and it affects me so much, I don't know if I can do it. So I'm in the temple praying and I have very few experiences that were like, obviously that's spiritual answer for you in your life back then. And so this was very significant to me. My husband, when he would hear my children, you know, they were little and they all wanted his attention. They wanted him to help them fix something or do something. And he was already busy doing something, right? Like working in the garage or trying to figure out something for a house project or something. And he had this tone of voice when he would talk to them about, can you see that I'm busy and I can't do that right now? And it sounded like this. He said, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. He would say that. And it was in this way of, guys, can you not see what I'm doing here? Like, I'm kind of busy. And I will work on that, but I'm working on this kind of a thing. And that's exactly in the temple that day I heard, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And it was in that same kind of tone. And I thought that was really interesting. And it made me think, isn't that cute? It's like the spirit knows that you're going to recognize things and feelings behind things in a way that makes sense to you in your life. So the message I got was, oh, good. Okay, finally, all this praying and crying and stuff I've done means you're going to take care of that. And I can just feel so much better about this. Ten years later, still in the same situation. But now I'm so much smarter. I have had much harder things come up. Not just this one thing, but lots of things, right? And I've learned to receive personal revelation and what that really means and that it's not about checking boxes and that it's about really finding what does my spiritual language sound like and how do I access the power of the atonement in my life? Don't just judge things. So what I ended up doing was learning how to write letters to God. I didn't even know that was a thing until my son learned to write letters to God. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. So I started trying it, and that's how I found my spiritual language. But it was several years into writing letters for God, I was writing again in my letters to God about this person in my life that I just love. I care for so deeply, and we're still struggling with this hard thing. And I get so weary, and I just, what can I do? Is there something I'm missing here, right? Because I kept thinking that if I were good enough or wise enough or smart enough or loving enough, that I could really make a dent in that. But it just never worked. And it was just a very personal thing that I had to love them right where they were at and appreciate everything that they were doing that was awesome and not focus on the things they were doing that were hard. So I'm writing my letter to God and the thought was this, just a remembrance of that day in the temple and that experience I had 10 years ago from the day that I wrote that letter. So since then it's been about well, 
four or five more years. But four or five more years ago, I'm writing this letter and I just had a remembrance of me in the temple and that experience I had. And so I'd learned enough about my spiritual language that anything my thoughts went to when I was writing my letters to God was direction. And so I said, I'm thinking about this experience that I had in the temple. Is there something you're trying to remind me of or tell me about that's from that experience? And so I kept thinking and was writing and, and then I didn't get anything. So I went to my scriptures and in my reading, I, oh, I can't remember exactly the scripture, but I just remember getting the impression as I was writing. Do you remember what I said? I'm working on it. And I was like, yeah, I remember. And I've just been waiting to see your hand. And what I got just loud and clear was that I wasn't talking about them. When I said I was working on it, I wasn't talking about them. I was talking about you. So all these years, I thought that experience meant when I heard I'm working on it, it meant he's working on my loved one. But what he meant all those years ago was he was working on me. And then I thought about how long it took me to recognize that my relationship with God wasn't affected or my testimony or things like that. I wasn't questioning those things. The way that I judged this person in my mind and the kind of pride that I had in my heart about well, if I were standing here and you were standing there and God were looking at both of those things that we do, he would like mine better. I would have thoughts like that. Like, you're doing it wrong. If you could do it like this, that would be better. And the Spirit had taught me, Karen, even though you're a church lady, they are so much more, so much better at being like me than you are. And even though you see this weakness in them, that's really big. And it's been very hard for all these years. What I've been trying to work on forever is you. That just was so humbling. And it made me feel um, appreciative of this loved one that I have. Because I thought I was always quick to think of what they could do better. What they could do to be better, get better, uh, help me more love me better, anything, right? Instead, the Spirit taught me that you need to get better. I needed you to get better. And now that you are in a place where you're ready to hear something like this and receive it, now I can teach you even more about this. But still, it hasn't gone away. We're still dealing with the same issues, and I don't think they're going to go away. But I do think that, why have I ever recognized the message? And it is, it's not about them. It's about you. And I'll take care of them. You come find me. And when you find me, then I can show you your weakness. And I can help you to make weak things strong. If you'll just come. But that is their thing. This is your thing. And I'm asking you to love them like I love them. And to allow me to do my work with you 
while I'm doing it with them, but I appreciate my loved ones so much because I thought, oh my goodness, all these years I've been so prideful, so judgmental of them and their affliction and where they're at and everything. When God told me that I wasn't referring to them, Karen, I was referring to you. That helped me to recognize how patient my loved one had been with me and how impatient I'd been with them. And anyway, it just helped me a lot. It's rarely about what you think it is. And it's not going to be something that makes sense like in our temporal world if things are big and long. It's God asking you to look beyond where you're willing to look and asking you to have the courage to do it and then to change you. That's what it's all about. Maybe you gals have an answer to this similar question. I've been thinking and listening to Karen share her thoughts. I felt very similar to what she's felt. Before I knew about the writing part of the power journaling and things like that, I did it several years ago just because I needed to pull myself away from the negative thoughts and the fear and the worry that you have with someone that you love so much. And so I remember writing a letter and just writing thoughts. And as the thoughts came, I have five sons. I don't have any daughters. So as the thoughts came, I felt like the Lord was telling me through those writings that, that there was a reason for all of this. It was a reason that we came to the earth to learn and grow and develop, to make mistakes, to have hope that those mistakes will fix themselves at some point but that I don't get to choose when that point is, that I might just very well have an Ephi on my hands or an Ammon or some sons of Messiah, which Ammon is, and to keep working and praying and having hope, but love them, pray for them daily, ask if there's something you can do today that will help, and if there's not, then, like Karen said, work on yourself. But for me, I needed to have hope. So that hope came from finding out who I was and my role in my family. And it came from lots of prayer, a lot of love, a lot of love, a lot of love. And I don't know what the situation is for others. You know, ours, it's been pornography. I have had friends that have had kids who've struggled and veered away from the church. And I've done you know, lots and lots of things. And we've talked and, you know, we've counseled together as friends. And we've said, you know, there was a talk given by Jeffrey Holland. And he said, if you don't have anything, you, and she was asking about her daughter and struggling. And her daughter was struggling with her faith. And she said, I said, we're talking. And I said, you just grab her and you hold on to her and you say, honey, if you don't have the faith, just lean on mine for a little bit. I'll give you some. Lean on my faith. And she said, I'm going to do that. She can come to her mom, who has the faith. Maybe come visit the tree, so to speak, for a while. She may veer off. But she knows where faith comes from. And if we're strong enough to be that person through the Savior, things might not work out the way we want them. But we can have faith. And then we can have hope. And hope is so powerful. Thank you, Christy.
If you're interested in signing up for the next Mom Power series, you can register at mompowertraining.com. Or if you're interested in Mothers Who Know or any of its programs, all of the programs through Mothers Who Know are free and open to all mothers. You can find us at motherswhonow.org. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great week.